My friends, chefs, uh, welcome to another intro here on the Super Divorce Supercast. This week, wow, we uh, cover a lot of ground, don't we? Uh, binging and bonging all over the place. All over the place. From I'm not from anti-vaxxers to uh, <laughs> to, to Trump <laughs> to what the fuck JJ or no what the fuck Ruin Johnson did with Luke Skywalker. To Jar Jar Binks. To Jar Jar Binks, to Henry Cavill in as Superman, to Scott Zack Snyder. All over the place. It's all we're everywhere. Yeah. Who's Oh, he's a writer. I was like, who the fuck is Scott Snyder? Yeah, Why was Scott I gonna Snyder, say Snot that's a writer. Snot yeah. Snyder. Snot Snyder, you're a writer. He's good though. Scott's good. Scott Snyder's good. What has Scott Snyder written? He did the whole New 52 Batman run. Oh, did he? Yeah, that was like... And Greg Capullo did all the art. That was really fucking good. All right. I didn't read much of the New 52. Well, Snyder... I was too butthurt. Snyder didn't write... He wrote Metal, didn't he? Or did he not? I've got it right here. Who is this? It looks like it was Snyder. Yeah, and Capullo. Metal. Yeah. I've not made it to actual metal. I'm I'm reading the like Road to Metal, right. which was like a collection of various yes. books that lead up to it. But no, Snyder's dope, dude. All but, right, yeah, okay. So Scott Snyder and and Zack Snyder, but we talk about Zack Snyder, not Scott yeah. Snyder. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. So um, so prepare for a a bit of a jaunt through various universes and concepts on this week's episode of the super divorce supercast hey man welcome to the super divorce supercast my friends this is nicholas Villars, one half of the synth pop duo known as super divorce i'm the other half bender what's up nothing we're gonna drink beer is what we're gonna do first we like to uh I like to start the show with a little segment called Beer Me. I'm going to beer you right now. He's going to beer me right now. We're, October Fuel, October yeah. Fire. <laughs> Give me beer that I desire. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. We just got back from a Maristop. We did. Talked uh, to good brother Alec. And um, he had a few new beers in this week, but we went with the Braxton Brewing Company's October Fuel. Hence yes. the Metallica. Yeah. I listened to Metallica the other day on Spotify. I was just like, you know what? It's it's a good day. And I just put on the Black Album and just let it play. Is that your favorite Metallica album? Probably. Only Is because it? like that's what I was introduced to. You know, That's what I started listening to. Um, it's probably the only Metallica album I've ever heard front to back. Really? I think so. Wow, you need to go through a... Yeah. You need to go through like a Metallica phase where that's all you listen to for like six months yeah i listened to master of puppets a lot too but black album was like have you ever delved into like ride the lightning or injustice for all i had injustice for all the album the the metallic albums that i owned myself were uh black master of puppets justice for all and snm i think over the years ride the lightning has become my favorite really mm-hmm yeah What's the big song off Ride the Lightning? Because I probably know this song, maybe. Uh, You probably know For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. I know that song. Um, Is there an instrumental on Ride the Lightning? Mm, 
Yeah, I think so. Is is it Call of Cthulhu or is it is there isn't don't they have another instrumental called Orion or something? Yeah, I'm I'm bad with song titles. Hold on one second. Let me just reach back here into my collection. Ah! Fight fire with fire. Have you heard that song? Nope. Ride the lightning. Maybe once or twice. For whom the bell tolls. Fade. You probably heard fade to black. Probably. You probably know it if you heard it. Yeah. Trapped under ice. Oh, that's from. I thought that was from. Uh, I thought trapped under ice was from Death Magnetic. Mm-hmm. Because, because trapped under ice was on a music game, like a late music game. Uh, it was like Guitar Hero four, maybe, maybe even Guitar Hero five. Trapped Under Ice was like a bonus track, and it was right around the time Death Magnetic was out. So I thought that it was from Death Magnetic. Really? But I know, so I know Trapped Under Ice. Well, so you know at least one. Yeah. And then there's uh, Escape. Nope. Creeping Death. Maybe. Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu is the good one. That's the instrumental. instrumental. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Have you ever, do you like the S&M album? I do. I love it. I do. There's a song on there. Uh, um, no Leaf Clover. Mm-hmm. You know that song? Um, I know. I've, I mean, I've, S&M is another one that I'll put on and listen to all the way through. There's a song on there called No Leaf Clover that never went on an actual studio album. Uh-huh. That they only played like at that performance. I mean, oh, they've really? played it since, but it was never done in a studio version. Uh-huh. And I, uh, part of me thinks that's cool, but yeah. then you also wonder what it would sound like recorded in the studio. Right. But that's a really good track. I I like um, Hero of the Day on yeah. S&M. I mean, I know that's another, you know, that's a song of theirs, but I, I like the orchestral yeah. backing. Hero of the Day, one. I believe, is on Load or Reload. Yeah. Can't remember off the top of my head, but um, those were basically all recorded in the same session, and mm-hmm. then they just split it up into two albums. Yeah. So Which, if you're going to record, like, a shitload of stuff is what you should do. Yeah, it always boggles my mind when you hear, like, they recorded 25 songs, and here are 10 of them. And then you're like, what the hell do the rest of them sound like, you know? But, like, don't give me a 30-song album. Or, like, or don't don't release an album, and then at the exact same time, release a special edition album that has, like, 30 tracks on it. It's like, I, I mean, I would prefer, like, split it up. Give me a 12-song album. Let me listen to it for a year or whatever, two years maybe, and then drop the second half of the same session. They did that with uh, California from Blink. Right. And all the songs on the deluxe edition are great. Uh huh. So it's like, why didn't uh, that could have been its own album? Yeah, just why did exactly. they? Yeah, so it's like the load reload thing is cool. It's not like they re released all the load songs with reload and it was like, super load or something like that it was just like reload and it's a new album new songs even though they were all recorded in the same session it's it's like a new thing 
similar album artwork, you know, whatever. But like, they go hand in hand, but it's two different albums. Not everyone's gonna know that, you know. Exactly. I so. didn't know that Load and Reload were recorded at the same time. I knew that they were similar again yeah. because visually they look similar. They have obvious titles that pair together, but I didn't know it was all one session in a studio. Yeah. But that's the way you should do it. If you're going to, if you're that inspired and you're going to record that many songs in a session, split it up. Don't give me a deluxe edition with 30 songs on it. Blink. What if the original, what if they were just like, it's not deluxe. We just are releasing like a 30 track album. If you're a punk band and your songs are like a minute and 30 seconds long, yeah. Like, what about like a double disc album? You know, that I feel like that used to be more commonplace. Even though it was rare, still, you almost never see that anymore. No. I feel like people probably know it's like, well, we'll just release half of them and then we'll do the deluxe edition, which is dastardly, you know. Yeah. But I guess if they're all really good, like the one Foo Fighters album... Uh, from the early 2000s. The uh-huh. One where they got really huge there for a while. I feel like it catapulted them into like another stratosphere when they released uh, In Your Honor. I think that was the name of the album. Yeah, I think I can picture it. But that was the double disc. Was it? Yeah. And it's really good too. Hmm. But. Well, yeah. um, Metallica's new album was double disc, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Because the songs were so long, yeah. they had to be split up. So it's not that they had an absurd number of songs. It was, it was like just they had long-ass songs. Each track was really beefy. Right. You know? Like six and a half minutes for every single song. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, should we... Yeah, after we were just like, we're going to start with Beer Me, <laughs> but let's actually talk about music a bunch first. Which is rare. We don't talk about music much on this we podcast. Don't. We don't at us. all being a music group that's not what i was gonna bring up either like that's not what i my first topic wasn't gonna be music so no. it's interesting there you go a rare uh moment of super divorce actually talking <laughs> about music <laughs> we talked about music on beer me today too yeah well yeah. on on super or, divorce gets beer right yeah and so on much beer, beer me. involved we yeah. started beer me and then we and then just we talked, talked about music yeah okay so um is there any description here Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, fuel for fall, Proust to new traditions. Uh, a traditional Oktoberfest style lager brewed the authentic German way. Malt forward with a touch of noble hop spice. A perfect beer brewed for Proustin. Great. Great. That's what I like to hear. October fuel. Malt forward. Yeah. Hops in the back. Yeah. There you go. In the back where they belong. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Or Proust. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Proust. It's good. It's a very easy drinking Oktoberfest. A lazy river of an Oktoberfest. It is, but that's, that's good. I like an easy drinking beer. Yeah. It's got a little bit of... Uh, you definitely... You get... This tiny bit of uh, of hop spice at the back. Yeah, at, but it's at the back where right. it belongs. It doesn't blast you in the mouth. No, right. It just it just kind of nestles on the back of your tongue. Yeah, and gives the the sip a, a little extra kick. 
and uh but for the most part it's it's very smooth going down now a strange thing about this beer is the labeling they decided to go with here this definitely if you were just to see it from across the room you would think this is a winter beer you would so it's got like uh it's got sort of a white ring around the top and uh what is this it's uh is that baby blue i suppose you could say baby blue it's not quite robin's egg blue no it's not it's not like your shirt no it's it is darker than robin's egg blue but it's still very uh it's a joyful blue it is joyful (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit of a paradox because people often describe being down as being blue right so a joyful blue it's though a joyful blue and then you've got what you know you could mistake for snowflakes uh falling around the can you itself really could. yeah just but, the white flecks yeah wouldn't it be strange if you found out that they kind of mixed up when they sent this to the printing press <laughs> You know, when they have in the cans made. Yeah. It was like, oh, shit. That was supposed to be the design for the winter. And then they're like Christmas cranberry lager is like all orange and white. Yeah. And with, with like, like leaves falling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay tuned and see if that happens. Pretty good, though. It is good. Speaking of uh, wintry things, I don't know if you uh, saw this. I'm going to do a, a video about this later when we get closer to the holidays i did clock that when i when i walked in the room yeah i, I saw that at walmart it is a star wars advent lego star wars advent calendar which seemed like a very peculiar piece of piece of merchandise yeah you know especially these days because i feel like everybody needs to be so you know careful about where side they're on yeah and it's almost exclusively like happy holidays and stuff but it doesn't say holiday calendar like Mm -hmm. it specifically says advent calendar on it and i was like oh that's pretty bold you don't really see stuff like that anymore so yeah i felt compelled to pick it up i never uh have used an advent calendar before but i thought it was neat each day that you open the little door there's like a new lego prize inside yeah and it looks like you even get a Rose Tico in there somewhere. Yep. She's probably your Christmas gift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, Rose T- she's on there twice, too. Yeah. Look at that. Save she's the best the for last, right? Yeah, Rose Tico. She's definitely probably the uh, she's the, the, the big prize. I saw, I saw you pick that up. Found, uh, I found myself a Rose Tico the other day, finally. <laughs> Um, well, it's not that I've never seen Rose Tico in the wild, but I've been out several times where, you know, Jess is with me and she's like, you're going to get, you're going to get Rose. <laughs> and I'll look at the price and it's like still seven ninety nine. I was like, no, I was like, I've seen people posting Rose Tico's on Twitter for like 99 cents <laughs> at some place, just like racks full of Rose right. Tico at like Walmart. But I found one at Kroger for, what was it? Uh, two twenty nine. She's like, that's good. I'll yeah. pay two twenty nine for, for Rose. Rose Tico. Yeah, is Rose Tico the most hated Star Wars character ever? I think that she's like, she's been memed into a place of love now. 
you think so at this yeah. point? Yeah. Like, I feel like because of she was so hated at the beginning that it, it, it like just it flipped at a certain point and now she's become like welcomed into uh the star wars well, fandom because God, because you know. like i mean not that her character is good yeah. yeah her character still sucks her character does suck but it's like we kind of feel bad for you rose tico right because ryan johnson did that to you right and you know, and no one, I don't think anyone really hates Kelly Marie Tran. No, or, I don't either. Or uh, Lone, as she's come out now and said. Lone? She, yeah, her real name is Lone. L-O-A-N. Lone Tran. She, she used, cha- Oh, she changed like her, what she's going to be known as? Yeah, she like revealed that her real name is not Kelly Marie and she used that for like a Hollywood name because she thought she... Well, yeah, plenty of actors do that. She didn't think she'd be able to like break through with her traditional, you know, yeah, yeah. family name. Uh huh. Lone Tran. Yeah, that's cool. And then I had an idea where all of her fans can call themselves the Lone Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sticking up for Rose Tico. Yeah, us we're lone the sharks. Lone Sharks. Hashtag Lone Sharks. Or if you prefer, the transsexuals, <laughs> which. uh I was going to say the lone trannies. The lone trannies, yeah. If you're, you know, if you think that she's a cutie. Yeah, then you're transsexual. Yeah, you're a transsexual. Yeah, tr- exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Slash lone shark. You don't have to think she's hot to be a lone shark. No. You know. You just have to think she's hot to be a transsexual. Yeah. But at the very least, you can be a lone shark and you yeah. can stick up for, for Rose Tico. Poor Rose Tico. You know... It's like she uh she is a she isn't a good-looking lady if you've seen pictures of oh, her. Oh yeah, no, I was going to say I I am a transsexual for yeah. sure. But the way they made her look in the last Jedi, she's just like not a, attractive. Like a frumpy yes. kind of just weird hair, like the weird I think I think she was wearing a wig in that movie cuz I think she said something about she may have. Not wanting to wear wigs when she moves forward in her film career and all this kind of stuff, and it's just like I don't know what's wrong with you, Ryan Johnson. I, it's it's this. funny because like when we started this conversation, and I was th- I was thinking that she's not attractive in the movie, but I've seen pictures of her outside and seen her like on the red carpet and stuff, and she's a very attractive woman. Yeah. Um. And I think it's what around the time you said nobody hates Kelly Marie Tran. I was mm-hmm. like, they shouldn't because she's pretty. Yeah. And there's uh I've heard the point made where it's like the first time that you see her in The Last Jedi, she's just like got like snot running down her face and kind of blubbering and Yeah. It's right out the gate, you know? And then and her impression. outfit is not flattering because Yeah, it's, it's like a big which, potato it's a mechanic sack. Outfit, but yeah. like, but still throughout yes, the entire movie the whole movie the whole time you're gonna give this this poor girl like a potato suit when they went to uh what's uh the the casino world it makes i can't even remember what it's called because it's such a pointless <laughs> adventure but you know she could have worn a nice dress and gone in there yeah. and be like "Ooh, look at rose tico you know could have uh, been like uh i don't know how to pronounce her name uh kira from solo yeah mm-hmm um now what's that actress's name? Fuck. Can't remember the actress's name. Emily. No. 
damn it. Amelia Clark. Mm. She's also very pretty. You don't have to make the women unattractive in Star Wars. No. You know? Leia was in a goddamn slave outfit, Mm -hmm. for Christ's sake. Like, I don't know. And she was still powerful. Still powerful. Like, you can, you can, not that you have to, but it's just like, in Star Wars history, you can make very attractive hero females. I mean, you've got, like, Slave Leia, who kills Jabba. And, and like escapes like she's still a badass and then in episode two you've got like crop top natalie portman running around still like fighting not it's funny like to hear it's funny to hear george lucas talk about that if you i don't know if you have no her outfit change in episode two like like specifically on geonosis like the when her shirt gets cut off yeah yeah it's just so because <laughs> he's such a just kind of like awkward guy you know when he's describing things and to hear him talk about how in episode two he wanted it to be a love story you know he's like the whole movie is a love story set against a backdrop of war Uh and it's just uh it's a classic love story and and you know we wanted to show off uh we wanted to show off a more sultry side of padme yeah i think that's how he put it (laughs) sultry (laughs) uh yeah no that that's a whole can of worms I almost George think Lucas. that Natalie Portman's um, battle attire is hotter than Leia's Carrie Fisher's slave outfit. It's a hot take. Probably have a, a lot of, yeah, a lot of fanboys would come after you on that one. I like a crop top though, like, and that's just what she's doing with the all white, like, skin tight bodysuit. But then it gets chopped off, you know, and she's just like fit as a fiddle. Plus, I think Natalie Portman's super pretty. Natalie Portman's not her real name. Speaking of stage names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. Portman's not even her real name. It's whatever her real name is, it's hella Jewish. Yeah. So, So, Kelly Marie Tran, Lone. Lone Tran, you're fine. A lot of people do it. Roll with it. Yeah. You know. I think it's really really cool that you have gone to your natural, you know, your given name. Well, I think that things have opened up a little more in that sense. You know, people are, I, I feel like don't people don't really care if, if you would have heard, oh, there's a new character in Star Wars called Rose Tico played by a lady named Lone, Lone Tran. You just been like, I wouldn't have batted an eye. All right. Yeah. Well, just like the me. dude, the dude that played the main character in the movie Ninja Assassin, his name was Rain. There's That's Rain it. Wilson too. Yeah. But it, he was just Rain, R A I N Rain. That was it. No last name, no nothing. I think Rain Wilson spells this with two N's. He does. It's an odd move. I've heard people pronounce it Ryan, but I prefer. I think it's Rain. I think he's Rain Wilson. Yeah. Which I think is badass. I didn't realize until very, very recently when Mom and I watched House of a Thousand Corpses that Chris Hardwick is in house of a thousand corpses i totally forgot about that yeah and rain wilson they're both in house of a thousand corpses and they both meet gruesome ends too. yeah hmm. but yeah but seeing chris hardwick i was like holy shit yeah i don't like watch his 
what does he have? Talking Dead. Talking Dead. But then he's he's got a, sh- a late show, doesn't he? Yeah, there's some new one that he does. I can't remember the name of it, though. Um, I always remembered him from Singled Out. Do you remember that show? Mm-mm. It was like a dating show on MTV in the 90s. <laughs> and he had like, he had kind of the quasi bowl cut uh-huh. type hairdo, you know? Okay. And uh, he was, a, it was like a, a two host show. He was the male host. And then there was There's also Jenny McCarthy. Okay. Yeah. Before she was like super anti-vaxxer. I was going to say, and... isn't she like the worst person yeah. now? Mm-hmm. Fuck her. Fuck yeah. Jenny McCarthy. Vaccinate your goddamn kids. <laughs> Man. <clears throat> like, I don't get, you know, like, I don't, I feel like I don't get riled up about like a lot of political issues or like, you know, for lack of a better term or this is all I'm thinking of, like, like a quality of life issue or yeah. something, medical issues, whatever. I feel like I don't get riled up about that stuff very often, but like anti-vaxxers, I don't, I don't get it. Vaccinate your children. It's absolutely, there's, oh my God. I, I don't even have, like, I, I've not even done a crap load of research on it, but it's just like, obviously I, it's because I'm so, Maybe, you know, I'm so willing to believe there is just years and years and years and piles and piles and piles of medical data that disproves anything an anti-vaxxer is saying. Well, for a while, the big the big claim was that it uh, was causing autism. Right, exactly. Um, but the research that that was based on, I remember reading a big article about that at one point, and uh, it kind of it detailed the researchers um journey and uh and showed that he was thoroughly debunked along the way like mm-hmm. multiple times right where journals wouldn't publish his work because there were uh data was tampered with and he was forcing uh some of his lab technicians to ignore certain results right along the way and and then he went ahead and moved forward with publishing the results that I think he was trying to get and people just took him at face value. And, and, uh, I believe he was actually barred from practicing medicine wherever he's from. I'm, I'm pretty sure the guy's from Europe somewhere. If I recall correctly, uh, it's been a while, but I remember walking away from that being like, okay, well, I don't really know what else there is to say. Exactly. You know, and uh, it's so that's the thing that pisses me off is that you can tell an anti-vaxxer that the person who came up with this entire concept has been debunked and barred from practicing medicine and they're just like, "Yeah, but it cr- it causes autism though." Mm-hmm. And it's like what else what else do you need? Well, you the know biggest, what? The biggest story lately was that, like, I think Kat Von D is not vaccinating her kids. Yeah. She got pregnant and she was all like, I'm not vaccinating. I hate vaccinations, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's a, here's an interesting discussion that I actually just had this discussion with Andrew recently where I, I said, for the sake of argument, let's assume just let's say that uh, oops, let's say that vaccines do have the chance of causing autism in okay. children. Right. Now, would you rather... Yes, I would. I absolutely would. I would rather my kid have autism than die 
of uh, a disease that we have weeded out because of vaccinations. Right. Because let's say polio. Right. You get polio, you're screwed. You're that's it. If you if your child and I'm not trying to downplay what some people struggle with when they have a severely autistic child. You know, I it's, I, it's I know, difficult. Yeah. It's extremely difficult. But even if and I use the example of a role playing game. Yes. I said if if you're talking about rolling for polio, if you roll and get polio, that's it. Now, autism, you have to roll to to be on the spectrum, and then from there it would be like, how bad is it going to be? There is no sliding scale with with polio. You know, right. it's just like it's going to be a debilitating disease any way you, you slice it. So, and and the same goes for you know other things that we've eradicated over the years. Right, measles so, and yeah, and just like just all the other diseases that vaccinations prevent. So if you look around at all the people who do vaccinate their kids, and you see that the overwhelming majority of them are not having autistic children, I feel like you would want to take the chance, even if you believe vaccines might cause autism. It would be better to have a kid who's on the spectrum than a kid who's going to contract uh, an illness that could have been prevented had you gone ahead and done what you know you probably should have to begin with and they're putting other people at risk yeah because they're allowing diseases that have been eradicated to resurface and become a problem again and those diseases are affecting other people and kill and they're life-threatening diseases like they i you know there are some there are some groups of people that i just think are like the bottom of the barrel worst people out there and i i will go ahead and just throw my hat in the ring that anti-vaxxers are bottom of the barrel slime bag people like i don't care who you are if you don't think you should vaccinate your children. You can go fuck yourself. And I'm not, I'm normally open to just about any opinion. I mean, another, you know, hot take right now is that I, I certainly try to, um, lessen my opinion of Trump after being friends with you, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the severity of how you might look the at a severity Trump supporter. Of, the severity of how I look at a Trump supporter. Um you know, and I don't and I still don't get particularly involved, but it's just that's an example. Yeah. It's like we're still very good friends and I still love you like a brother. Um I don't you know, and I I don't care. And I'm willing to talk to you about it. But like if you were sitting across from me right now and you were just like, Oh, I'm not gonna vaccinate Emerson mm-hmm. because it causes autism and like other people's health is not a concern to me and blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like we'd have a real problem in our friendship if, you know, because I, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, the, the question is then, you know, um, should people be forced to do it? I just don't I just don't think you should have to be forced. No, you shouldn't have to, but 
but like it's so it's such an obvious to me it's such an obvious good idea you know and but I don't I don't want to say I don't necessarily want to say that people should be forced because you know then you bring up the whole like you're taking away people's rights to choose and people's freedoms and blah 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 um but like I would gladly I would gladly protest against anti-vaxxers like any day you know like I wouldn't necessarily join a join a protest for against Trump you know I may have like a I just don't you know what I don't think that I don't think protesting does much it doesn't I don't think it does either I think the way that that and this is a problem with the climate of things today is that you've got a lot of people who want to go out and protest things but people but those same people are not willing to have conversations and that's where change happens yeah is when sitting down and actually talking to someone right so like let's say you know if you were dealing with an anti-vaxxer and they were like adamant in their belief that like, well, if I vaccinate my kid, then there's a chance he's going to grow up severely autistic, you know, and his life's going to be ruined and all this stuff. So it's like you understand that though their belief is misguided and they're putting their trust in things that they shouldn't, it's still in their minds, they, they have uh, come to believe that, it's more detrimental to their children to expose them to this thing. So the way to change their mind would be to provide them with enough evidence and have them come to an understanding that what they have been, the assumption they've been operating under is incorrect. Right. But going in and, and they're putting other people, at other risk. people as well. Yeah. But you know. the, I think more importantly, people are, usually more receptive if you can show them that the people immediately around them are going to be worse off you know because if you try and make that point where it's like oh well everyone else is going to be at risk too they'll be like well i don't care about screw them else. yeah i care about my family and that kind of shit so if you can but if you can show them that's going to affect their family and then the other people doing the same thing could affect their family down the line you know then i don't know I, I just I just wish people were in general more I, willing to talk about things they disagreed yeah. on because that's where you get a little movement and it's not always that at the end of a conversation you're gonna see the other person's point of view or that you're gonna change your mind, right. but at least you might understand why they feel the way they feel. Right. So And then you can move on from it. Yeah. And and just and either continue to be their friend or not, you know, and, continue to associate with them or not. Yeah. And like in the case of politics, where it's like, okay, well, you believe what you believe, uh, and I see why that is. I still disagree with it, but I at least understand the logic behind what you right. are saying. And then you can break away from there and then um, and still carry on a friendship because you're like, yeah, we, uh, we might have some fundamental differences about our worldview, but I still don't think you're a horrible person. Yeah, your I'm, character doesn't you know you you generally being in support of trump doesn't affect your day-to-day character no and and people will bring that up where it's like uh oh trump supporters will just uh they'll go along with anything they'll support everything he does and 
you can't get a Trump supporter to say one thing bad about him. It's like, that's not true. I see it all the time. Right. People disagreeing with certain moves he's making and, you know, so, or stuff with the family, you know, when all the Stormy Daniels shit was going on. It's like, oh, well, ask a Trump supporter what they think about that. And it's like, if if he cheated on his wife with a porn star, I'm clearly not going to say that's a good thing. Right. That doesn't mean that I think his policies are affected by it. It means that he I, might not be the best family man. I, I've stood, I've said before, um, and I've said it like to my dad who we've talked about, he, you know, God love him. He just gets very, very, very heated about politics very quickly. Um, so I try to avoid it at all costs, but I've said before that I don't think Trump is a good person at all. Like I'm sure I'm just, I think he's a shitty person but like it doesn't him being a shitty person doesn't always factor into his policies or his job as president like and is he always a shitty person no one yeah. even even people who you might look at and be like that dude is not really someone you want to model your life after yeah will still do things that are commendable you know at, yeah at times so I, I think, you know, I just, in my limited knowledge, I just think, I think Trump's pretty, he's pretty garbage, but like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not going to like call for impeachment because he cheated on his wife. No, it's, like, they're completely separate don't worlds. We fucking, not don't, don't we talk about, haven't we all pretty much accepted uh, and joke about that JFK slept with like Marilyn Monroe a bunch, and the whole Bill Clinton and the whole Bill deal. Clinton thing, and now no. Bill Clinton's been memed into love, pretty much. You know, like I don't, it. You know, I'm sure if you go through the life of all politicians, you're probably gonna find some skeletons in the closet as you well, go yeah. along. You know, I, and that's the thing is, it's just like I just think polit- politics in general, you have to be a fairly shitty person to even be successful in politics. You have to step on other people. You have to, you know, sort of go behind people's backs. You have to sacrifice, you know, your own beliefs at some point, at some point you, you sacrifice or you compromise a certain belief of your own, uh, to make the majority happy to get you where you want to go. You know, like I, I'm sure like everybody loves, everybody loves Obama. He was an eloquent speaker. He was, you know, his wife was just generally very nice and seemed very uh, supportive. And she tried to do a lot of good and she was always appearing and blah, blah, blah. And he was also kind of like hip and cool, like a younger president or whatever. But like, don't tell me that he didn't get, to the presidency without like fucking somebody over. No, I mean, he was, everyone was talking about, uh, how his, his presidency was completely scandal free and that's just not true. Yeah. It just, you didn't hear about it much. You know, right. his, he, uh, his campaign broke, um, had some of the most egregious, uh, campaign finance, violations like in the history of of people running for president you know 
taking donations and exceeding certain limits and such, you know, uh, to, to put it succinctly, but no one really talked about that. He, and everybody loved him so much. Yeah. But then like, but then everybody hates Trump. So all you ever hear about is how he exceeded donation limits and you, he rigged voting and he blah, 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 and this and that and whatever, whatever it is, every tiny little thing you can possibly hate about the man you hit, you know, the, the most recent one that I've seen is a video of like him at a rally and like some guy, it's like Trump weeded out people who were unsupportive and replaced them at his rally. And some guy behind him, like on camera is kind of like, looks a little displeased with what he's saying. So some woman comes up and like whispers in his ear and he just like picks up his sign and leaves. And then she stands directly in his spot and like smiles and claps. And, and it's just like, okay. So they fucking caught it on camera. I mean, yeah, like he was probably trying to, it's like any president probably would have done that. Anybody that's standing behind you at your rally, you know, where you're trying to appear as positive as possible and they're like making weird faces and like look looking very disapproving, they're, you're going to get replaced. Yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, they that that shit is uh it's it's not just it's not just like um they're out there doing that for fun. They're trying right. to show people their support and get other people to to buy into it, you know? And it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen this picture, but it was like, um, it was from one of Hillary's rallies during the 2016 campaigns. And, you know, the camera is on her and she's standing at a podium and you see all these people behind her. And it would give you the impression that she's in like a big, like there are just people packed into this place. And then there's another camera shot like further behind her, and it looks like almost like a like a an empty airplane hangar or something. And there's just a small little uh, a small little section of seating put up in one spot where people have like crammed together, and the rest of the place is like empty. And it's like that is just tricks that that they do yeah. in the media to try and present a certain story present a narrative and get people to go along with it and right you know like going along with that it's like you you know you, you almost can't trust like anything nowadays because the other day i was talking to my mom and she was like oh did you see that the trailer for the nun was like removed from youtube and i was like marketing hands down like i was scrolling through facebook and i saw we can't show you the trailer for the nun because it's too scary for audiences. I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's the trailer. Yeah. Is that you said it's too scary. You didn't, nothing happened. Right. Nobody contacted you and was like, you can't, t- you can't show this trailer. Like it's a rated R movie. You can show all kinds of shit on YouTube. I've seen all kinds of shit. I watched a movie. A sh- I saw, I watched a short film on youtube the other day directed by the guy who directed hereditary about a son who was in love with his dad and in the in the movie they and they didn't particularly show it but just context wise in the movie the son rapes the dad and it's like 
if you can watch that on YouTube, you can watch a fucking trailer for The Nun. You know? So, I, as soon as she was like, oh, did you see that? I was like, oh, mom, that's marketing. That's yeah. just... They're just trying to get you to see the movie. I was like, and that's kind of how I feel about like politics. It's just like, oh, that's just marketing. They're just trying to make themselves look good. Mm-hmm. And you can't, no, no president has ever not done that. No, that's, I mean, that's the, the politics game. That's it. You're politicking. You're right. trying to which get people why, on your side. Which is why, you know, I, I try to, uh, I try to have an open view of Trump as a president. I don't think that he's a very good human, but I don't necessarily think that like everything he does as president is worthy of impeachment. No, you know, it's not like he's never, whatever. My thing is like, you can look back. He has done good things for people just seemingly out of the goodness of his heart. You know, he, when he, I think in the, what was it late 70s or early 80s there was this uh there was a famous skating rink in central park in new york and they had been trying to get this thing uh redone renovated for i think like eight years and they like started the project they started the project tore the rink up basically because some things needed fixed and it was like stop start stop start for like eight years and it might have been longer than that and he like apparently walked by this every day when he was going to work. And so one day he was like, I got sick of this thing not being done. And he's like, I just went to the city and I was like, give me however long. It was like six months or something like that. He's like, give me six months and I will use my money and I will get this finished ahead of schedule and under budget. And, and he like had to haggle with them for a while but finally convinced them to allow him to just take this project on. And it was done like three or four months later, like wow. completely finished. Just like, just did it for no other reason. than just, it was like torn up for but so like long. Somebody, and, you know, the problem is that somebody is going to be like, Oh, Trump got sick of seeing this <laughs> broken down. Bo- the America's broken down and he should be paying attention to that. It's like, yeah, he, I mean, just why just he did a nice thing. Yeah. Why don't you just say he did a nice thing for somebody? Yeah. For for like the good of of the park. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, maybe a factor of it was that he was tired of seeing construction every day, but like if I had forty eight bajillion dollars, I would fix I seventy five in a heartbeat because I'm fucking sick of sitting in construction traffic and hitting potholes. And how many other how many other people, wealthy people, lived in New York at the same time that never stepped up and did yeah, that? Yeah. No one did it. it but like, Trump did. Like and again, like I, and I don't wanna like it's it you know I don't think that that necessarily redeems him as a person, but that no, also I'm, doesn't condemn that doesn't condemn him as the president. Like you have to look at every aspect of a person. You can't solely focus on someone's negative and make that the only thing about their character. My problem is like with people who you cannot like him. Fine. I can understand why people might not like him. Yeah. You know, he's got an abrasive personality. If you're not on his side, I can admit like, the things that I laugh about would probably piss other people off because I can see him getting under people's skin. It's like, if you're pulling for the guy, you think it's funny. If you hate him, it's pissing you off. Like, I understand that. Um, but 
what gets me is when people would look at a situation like what I just described and they wouldn't even give him credit for that. Where it's like you won't even examine individual events through an objective lens. And you can't say, well, I may hate him, but at least that was good for the people of New York and all the people who got to go and enjoy that skating rink afterwards. At least that was something good, you know. So, I don't, I, I, uh, I wish people weren't so just stuck in their ways and unwilling to budge even a little bit to where they could at least allow themselves to be honest. Because everyone knows that's a good thing. You have to just be playing a game um, and being stubborn to uh, try and twist it and find a way to make it into something bad. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate. And uh, it's not unique to politics, though. It happens all over the place. It happens with music. Yeah, people are the worst. Me and my roommate were talking about it the other day. I was like, fucking people people suck <laughs> for the most part. <sighs> but you're not all bad. Not all of you, but it's just like a lot of people. Just every I just everyone just needs to relax. Just chill the fuck out. Like take a chill pill, cool your jets. Did you see that you know J, uh, Joe Quesada? From Marvel, um, I've, I'm sure I know for sure. I've seen his name. I can't think of like what he's he is, written. He's uh, now their chief creative officer. Okay, so he's the guy. I think that he's like ascended beyond just the comics of Marvel. Okay, now he's like making decisions about like TV shows and movies and other things like that. But he he started out as an artist, and then I think he okay. was, I think he was editor in chief at Marvel for a number of years do you know what comics he's drawn or done the art for yeah he's uh well recently he's at least done a, a couple covers for spider-man within the past few years um his artwork's really good uh i i just i know i've seen his name so yeah. i'm familiar but i just can't think I of like, like he his might specific done, art he might have done the daredevil visionaries from kevin smith Okay. That might have. Uh, I have to look that up. I feel like he at least did a cover or two for that series, but that might have been him throughout the entire run. Okay. Maybe I'll check that. Um. Yeah. But anyhow, he like you know big shit at Marvel. Yeah. You're owned by Disney now, but he spent like the entire weekend ranting about Comicsgate, and like getting in a fight. Or trying to pull into a fight, uh, this guy named Richard Meyer, who has a channel on YouTube called Diversity in Comics, um, and they did a campaign for a book called Jawbreakers. Okay. Um, but he was like all weekend long going off about Comicsgate, and I was just thinking, like, after reading through all these tweets that he had put out, and how much energy he was expending on it, it was like, Jesus, man this Comicsgate movement must really be getting under the skin of the big two of mm -hmm. Marvel and DC. Yeah. Because you know that, that they're the people they answer to have to have like heard about the stuff through the grapevine. And it's like, so they're coming at them, you know, these big wigs have to be 
coming to a guy like Joe Quesada. And it's like, how much money are your Marvel books making every week? Oh, I don't know. We're, we're like moving like generally under, under 10,000 books or something for their titles, I think is what it's dropped to for most of them. And it's like, why is it that cyber frog just made over half a million dollars in crowdfunding this book that like no one heard about from the nineties that this guy just put a crowdfunding campaign up for and people donated like $600,000 to, or in the case of this guy, uh, Richard Meyer, who has that YouTube channel, jawbreakers, new comic book made like almost $400,000 in crowdfunding. Why are our books doing that? You know? So I think they're starting to go after the comic skate thing with a little more fervor now because I think I think they feel threatened by it. Right. And you'd have to because if really good artists and writers get the nerve up and start leaving, then it's like, what do you even need Marvel and DC for anymore? Other than like characters that they've basically ruined at this point. Yeah. So it has I, to be I'm, a troubling time yeah, for them. I'm definitely like Marvel movies are better than the comics easily now you know i wouldn't be mad if like if marvel stuck to making movies because i feel like i almost feel like marvel's cinematic universe mirrors what comics like used to be but now they're talking about moving the comic approach into the mcu like that's the idea is to start phasing out the the characters that everyone loves about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and like replacing them with like second tier more diverse characters so you're going to sink the movies too if you end up doing that yeah not saying that you couldn't build up new characters over time but if like if that's your main goal is not just to build up good characters but to to phase out all of like your traditional white male characters and replace them with more diverse characters like why is that even something that you want to do why don't you just give the fans the things that they like i i it's just it's crazy to me i mean and if you wanted if you want to bring in new characters do that like now that they have the rights to the x-men then you know bring the x-men in that's those are just like naturally diverse characters right and then i think that like a storm franchise would do really well if you did it the right way you could that would be a very strong female lead that people buy into no one gives a shit about squirrel girl no you know uh ultimately people don't really care about uh the wasp it's like it's not horrible but it's not going to like lead the future of your company. You know, there was some people were saying that like at the end of Avengers age of Ultron, like Captain America sort of walks into a room and it's a room with like Scarlet, Witch, Falcon war machine vision Captain America. I think maybe those characters and people were like, Oh, those are the next Avengers. All of those people's contracts like continue on after 
all the original characters' contracts have ended. So, like, these are going to be your new Avengers. And at the time, I was like, cool. Sure. You know, that that sounds fine. Um, and, and I'm kind of still like that. It's like if Marvel wants to sort of swap out what they're doing in the future. Like, I think if... I think if they just convince all of the core actors to do it the right way, give me a a Secret Wars or maybe give me like a Dark Reign type of scenario or or, or something, you know, something where there's a comics event where they pass the torch in the comics. But like at the same time, you know... they haven't spent enough time with some of these other characters to be able to give them their own movies or to be able to build them into the uh, characters that Iron Man and Captain America and have become like, I don't know. It's, it's just a weird, it's a weird slippery slope. Like, at least they're not as uh, they're not in the shape that DC is in right now. Oh my God. Where it's like, okay, so you've lost your Batman. Now you've lost Affleck's your Superman. not playing Batman anymore. Or he's done as well. Good, because I mean, well, I didn't like Affleck as Batman, but I thought he was all right. He was all right. Him. He he, I think something for me at, with Affleck's Batman, like it made sense that he was trying to be an, well, it made sense that like in the context of the story, he was an older Batman. I think Affleck played a pretty decent older Batman. Um, but here's something that I think would be awesome. very forgettable for me. I think DC should do this just like whatever. I don't give a shit about the DC universe at this point. Like it really, if they if they came out tomorrow and was like we we're scrapping the whole thing, I'd be like, good, yeah. probably for the best. Maybe try again later. But you're giving Joaquin Phoenix his own Joker movie next year that doesn't connect to their extended universe whatsoever, has nothing to do with anything. Okay, so you're willing to make standalone movies for these characters. Why don't you go ahead? In the spirit of the new Halloween, you know, scrap everything that happened after Batman Returns and just do the fucking Dark Knight with, uh, or Dark Knight Returns with Michael Keaton and do that exact story like on screen and even let Frank Miller direct it if you wanted to. Yeah. That would be so cool. You know how much money that would make? If Michael Keaton came back to play Bruce Wayne again, well, you know, and I, and now, and it's he's older now, and it would be so great. You know, I've said to you before that the animated Dark Knight Returns is like the single best piece of DC movie I've ever seen. It's like a two and a half hour movie, and it's it's incredible. It's so good, you know. Um, for me, I guess Nolan's the dark Knight is probably the, the single best DC movie. 
I think probably still the best comic book movie that's ever been made. The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As good as Infinity War was. I Yeah, like I enjoyed Infinity War a lot. It was fantastic. It was handled really, really, really well for the amount of characters you're putting in it. You know, Infinity War was a fantastic movie, but I think all things considered, The Dark Knight is perfect. Just when you consider everything that Batman is as a character, everything the Joker is as a character, you know, The Dark Knight is just a perfect movie based on its source material. I... Every time I, I don't, and you know, the thing is though, I don't think about the dark Knight very often, like Nolan's specifically, but every time that I do, I'm just like, holy fuck. I want to watch this movie right now. Like I, you know, I would venture to say that Heath Ledger's Joker performance is not only Probably the best Joker performance, period. I mean, I know a lot of people, it's like Nicholson or or Ledger, Nicholson or Ledger. I mean, like, I'm going to side with Ledger. Um, Very different characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not only is, like, Ledger's performance as the Joker one of the greatest, like, Joker performances, you know, in cinematic history, but it's, like, one of the greatest performances in cinematic history. And I just, I just found this out recently. I don't know. You might have seen this before, but I saw that, um, in the, in like the original, not the original series for Batman, but the one that everyone knows, the Adam West series, the first time that you see the Joker, uh, the Cesar Romero version. Yeah. The first time that you see him on screen, he's wearing the same mask that Heath Ledger wears at the beginning in the bank robbery. And then he pulls that off, and that's like the the creepy reveal where it's like this guy pulls this mask off, and he's the Joker underneath. And they use that same mask in the Dark Knight movie. I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's it's so just cool. Like, I'm watching the Dark Knight when I get home. I'm watching it when I get home. Yeah, <sighs> that's awesome. I, I just don't like know the grumpy it... clown mask. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. So it's like Which they were I... able to. They were able to. To not to to do an homage to the Adam West Batman series without anyone knowing, without it being cheesy because that show was all about so and cheese. But they were able to nod to that, and everyone just buying it. They are, they worked that in there in a way that like people just didn't even realize. You just to the point that. where like they have Halloween masks of the clown mask that Joker wears at the beginning. Like it's it's. As I, it's almost as iconic as Ledger's performance is that clown mask, but no one realizes that mask was worn by Caesar Romero. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. Man, it just—I really do think I think Nolan's Dark Knight is like. It's probably you're right. It's probably far and away the greatest comic book movie that's ever been made. And I, a part of me is always like, what if Christopher Nolan by himself would have done a Superman trilogy? Because I was so excited about Henry Cavill. I thought he looked He's and great. played the part. He's great as Superman, I yeah. think. Perfect casting for that. 
And now the rumor swirling that Michael B. Jordan will be replacing him because he's just announced that he's not coming back. So it's like, I think DC, I think the only way they can save themselves is to announce that they're scrapping everything. They keep like failing at the box office and sort of like tumbling down and things, you know, they, they put out these movies and the fans don't react well to it. The only, at this point, the only way they can save their cinematic universe is to be like, okay, we're starting over. It's like, and cool. Yeah. Do that. I think that what's holding them back though is maybe the success that Wonder Woman had. Right. That's because the then thing. it was like then it's like your spark of hope. But um if you want to keep Gal Gadot or whatever in in that spot, then just like have her welcome her back into your new universe. Because I thought she did a great job. She was fantastic. Yeah. Gal Gadot is like the perfect Wonder Woman casting loved it. The movie is great. Um, although I, you know, even still, I will say like what the, you know, what the fuck was up with like the CGI Aries at the end? Why, yeah. the f- why could you see his face under the mask? Why did he still have a mustache? Like that threw me off when I was watching the movie, it's a great movie, but like the end happens and Aries comes and whatever. And it's like still that actor. I don't know his name. Um, but it's like still that actor underneath the, like, uh, the helmet and you can see his mustache and stuff. And you're like, he doesn't look threatening at all. Make him look godlike demonic don't give him a face just give him the helmet of the suit of armor or something like because it just looks corny to have a mustache wielding face underneath that like badass armor like the the movie was incredible like up until then i was like that looks dumb yeah bad decision right there but you know that doesn't that that's still me. Gal Gadot, still perfect, perfect casting. And I do, I think Henry Cavill as well. Perfect casting for Superman. Just bad movies. Bad movies. Bad, bad presentation. I don't know whose fault it is exactly. I've heard that, no. you know, um, the crazy thing is I know Zack Snyder has a lot of haters. I am not a Zack Snyder hater. I, I feel like there has to have been something behind the scenes going on where he, I've heard that he's never been able to completely realize his vision. Now, maybe that's him or, or apologist for him coming out and trying to rescue him from uh, criticism. But it's like I've seen him do decent work before. I liked his Dawn of the Dead. Uh, I liked Watchmen. 300 is amazing. 300 is amazing. Watchmen is also up there. As one of the greatest comic book adaptation movies. Well, I remember reading, or yeah, I read Watchmen for the first time, and it was a really sort of synchronous event because I, I had been hearing about it, you know, um, from uh, from a few friends, and I was like, yeah, I'll I'll go and check that out, and I read it, and right after I got finished reading it, I was like, oh my god, it would be so cool if they made a movie of this sometime, and I remember getting on IMDb. Uh, or just searching like Watchmen movie and I saw the page come up for it and it was like they are doing a Watchmen movie holy shit 
Like I didn't even uh, didn't realize. Hello. Yeah. Um. But it lined up like right with me finishing the graphic novel. I found out that they were making a movie, and I followed the production. I went and saw it when it came out, and I remember just being blown away. I was like, that was, except for the ending, right? that was like my gripe with it. Other than that, casting, the look and feel of it, I thought they nailed it. And there are some, there are some Watchmen fans out there who are haters, you know, but you're always going to have that. I, I thought it was good. Yeah, I, liked I it. loved it. I rewatched Watchmen uh, fairly recently because it was on HBO for a while. Um, it was prior to the Infinity War release. Uh, but I, I watched it and I was like, God damn. Now I've never read the graphic novel like all the way through. Um, but still I just think, I think Watchmen and the dark Knight uh, are probably the two, two best comic book adaptations that have been produced so far. You that's, know, that's why Zack Snyder's work on the DC universe has been like a head scratcher to me. Cause I'm like, what happened? Yeah, why did it? Why did this suck so bad? He did Man of Steel, right? Yeah, yeah, which I hated. Yeah, I was so disappointed when that came out, and the only saving grace was the fact that it came out on the same night as the original Last of Us. Last of Us came out on the same night as Man of Steel, and I went and I had picked up Last of Us right before we went to the showing of Man of Steel, and. uh yeah, and then I watched it and it was like, oh my God, like just 15 minutes in, it was just, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Because all the trailers that I'd seen, you know, they made it seem like, well, the trailers looked like a Christopher Nolan movie, all, if you remember. All DC trailers are incredible. Yeah. DC trailers are spot on. They give you that sense of like awe and wonder and like you want to see this movie. And then you see the movie, and it's just bullshit. Well, there was that part that I always remember in Man of Steel in the trailer. And you see Clark Kent, and he's like walking around what looks to be like a like a sort of a fishing town, you know. And he's got like he's got stubble, and he's like out by a boat, you know. And it looks like he's a fisherman or something. And it's like they're gonna take this kind of really ground level down to earth approach to Clark Kent. And we're going to see that part of him before he becomes Superman. And I thought it would really focus on that. You know, I thought it would really build his character up first and they just didn't do that. It was like, you start off on Krypton and they've got these dragons, these like dragon creatures and Russell Crowe flying around on dragons. And immediately I was like, what the hell is happening here? Uh, and then the movie, the way it was edited, jumping from scene to scene, it didn't make any sense. The transitions were like non-existent. It was just like you're in one location and then there's like a time jump and they don't give you any indication there's been a time jump, but you just have to figure it out for yourself. And it's just like everything is so jerky all the way through it. It was like edited by a five-year-old. I, I ah, Such a letdown. The, the one scene where he's learning to fly is good worth it yeah that's like the only worthwhile scene in the whole movie um because that's that scene is gives you the feeling of awe and the inspirational feeling that you like get from the trailer 
But then the only time that feeling is relived in the movie is when he's trying to fly. Yeah. Which you need that like it or not, that is Superman. Superman is always going to be the character who is about hope, who's like incorruptible, truly, uh, not in the way that Bruce Wayne is. I mean, in a way where it's like he's like white bread almost to a fault. He's boring in that sense, but but that's the character that he needs to be. There aren't many of those characters left in the world in general. So it's like, I think it's good, even if you don't like Superman, I think it's good to still have at least one character who um, who represents that, who represents what Luke Skywalker used to represent, where it's like yeah. that kind of eternally optimistic mindset where it doesn't matter how how bad things get uh he is always he's going to show you that you should never sacrifice your morals and your ethic and what's right in order to win he's he's always going to be true to himself which is what he thinks is most important so he can show an example uh of what other people should aspire to i think he understands that and shoulders it which in that sense, it's a little more complicated than just like, oh, he, he always does the right thing. It's like, maybe he doesn't always want to do the right thing, but he understands what's at stake. No one else is doing this. All the other characters operate in shades of gray. Superman is the one guy who's like always doing things by the book, kind of, you know. And that has to be his character. Yeah. That's who he has to be because that's who he's always been. You know, like we talk a lot about like people messing with uh, established characters and it's just, you can't, you can't do it at some point at a certain point. You can't fucking mess with established character. Look at what Ryan Johnson ruined Johnson did to Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker was such an established character and then ruined Johnson was just like, Oh, well let's make him this old crone who like, considers killing his own padawan because he's like really strong in the force and shit like no luke skywalker wouldn't do that that's not the character that we've established over the last 30 years so i mean you just you have to fan service is keeping leaving the integrity of characters intact you know, it's not even. It's not just fan service, though. It's about writing the characters properly, right? For who they are, for who they were created to be. You get into a little bit of a metaphysical discussion when you talk about this stuff, because it's like, well, Luke Skywalker is not real. That's just a character that someone made up one time, and it's like, well, is that one hundred percent correct? You know, over the course of time, people people start to understand who a character is even if they're not here in the real world it's like when luke skywalker went to kill uh ben solo in his sleep it's like people all across the world had this like reaction to recoil at that scene where it was just like something felt wrong about it where it's like no i i know this character it's not just it's not just silly fandom either. It's like people really look up to Luke Skywalker. People have talked about that before where it's like you see bumper stickers. What would Luke Skywalker do? 
well, if Luke Skywalker is not real in any capacity, how could you even ask that question? It's because you have a formulation in your mind of the things that Luke Skywalker stands for. He is a certain type of person. He's built himself up that way over a series of movies and extended universe novels or legends novels at this point uh, and comic books and, and all sorts of things over the years. People know what you're talking about when you say Luke Skywalker. And when you say Luke Skywalker, uh, previously it never would have entered your mind that Luke Skywalker is the guy who goes in and tries to assassinate his nephew in the night because he senses something off about him. Right. Even if you're dealing, even if you're a fan that has only seen the movies, even if you're not a fan and you've only seen the movies, it doesn't make sense because Luke Skywalker spent three whole movies trying to redeem his father from the dark side and succeeds at the end. Like he brings his own father back to the light just before he dies. You can't tell me that 30 years later, 15 years later, whatever the necess- the actual times timeline is, you know, He's going to take on a Padawan, see the dark side in him, and just be like, well, better kill him. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, you know, never, and seemingly never addressing it with him either. Because why not that? Wouldn't that have been interesting where he, where you get an interaction between him and, and Ben, and he brings him to the side, and he's like, I noticed something in you. Hey man, that, you feel a little dark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This, I'm concerned. I just want to bring this to your attention. These are feelings that you need to, you need to understand and you need to av- avoid these, do what you have to do to keep these feelings in check, so to speak. And he could even, you know, recall the time where he's got Vader down and he's just like swinging away at him, you know? And it's like, that's when, the dark side's coming through a little bit, you know? And he's like, I, yeah. He's like, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to feel what you're feeling. He'd be able to empathize with him. It's not like Luke's never had the urge to go to that place. That's he, what, Multiple times in the movies, not the expanded universe, not the novels. In the movies, he flirts with the dark side in the cave on Dagobah. Yeah. And then he flirts with the dark side when he's fighting Vader and the Emperor on the Death Star. Like, these things come through. He's susceptible, but he overcomes. And that's what makes him the character that he is. Because, like, he understands what it's like to... To to feel anger and to feel rage and to feel like you're so right in, in your thinking. But then he always is able to work through that and find his compassion and like find his forgiveness. And, you know, you see that in, you see that in two movies, like, and, and then that's all it is for, for all of the books, you know, I mean, I haven't read every expanded universe novel, old expanded universe novel. Legends. I refuse to call it legends. <laughs> it's the old expanded universe. Uh, you know, but every novel that I have read, he is the consistently good character. He's the one who 
you know, the, the, the sun crusher, I don't know if it's called this, but I'm calling it this, the sun crusher trilogy is a good example. You know, he finds a Padawan or somebody, a student to join his school who ends up, you know, sort of veering to the dark side for a while. And, you know, he eventually redeems him, but that's just what, that's just Luke Skywalker's character. He's all good. It's like they don't even tell you anything that Kylo did particularly. Right, he just senses the dark side. Like, what the... Really? Right. That's it? That's all it took for you to try to assassinate your nephew in the night? Is sensing a little bit of the dark side? Like, how many people did Darth Vader kill? How many people did he murder in cold blood? You know? And you brought him back. You, you didn't feel like he was irredeemable. He needed to just be gotten rid of. That was after he did things like building two Death Stars. He was still worthy of redeeming at that point. Your nephew is here under your care. And you just happen to sense a little something off about him. You don't talk to him about it. But you're just going to try and kill him in the night. And it doesn't help, like you can't, like Ruin Johnson can't explain it away by being like, "Oh, well, he thought about it, and then there was a second of hesitation where he decided not to, and that's when Ben wakes up and and it's like, no, Luke just never would have considered it in the first place. It shouldn't be, oh, well, he hesitated. He's still Luke Skywalker. He's like, no, he." Never would have done that. He never would have even thought, oh shit, well, I need to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupid. It's like, it's it's bad fanfic. It is bad fanfic. It it makes no sense at all for the characters, uh, given their history. None. Unless this whole time Luke was just, um, Luke was actually a psychopath. And just hit it really well. Saved it all up for this one moment when he was finally going to get to murder his nephew in the night. Uh, we all know that's not true. So that means Ryan Johnson's just a very bad writer. And he had ulterior motives to subvert the expectations of the fans. Because that's what you want to do. That's the most important thing. I'm all for surprise endings. That's yeah. fine. I like being surprised, but we want we want surprises that make sense. So, I don't know. Save us, JJ. So we got I really think that he will though. I think you, it's going to be okay. Like, do you think there's going to be time travel? I haven't watched Rebels. I only know that time travel is canon in the universe because you've told me that it happens in rebels i i hope that there's a way for them to 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 rectify things without using the time travel wormholes but but i'm not gonna be mad if like they if they do it jj is no stranger to time travel He's used it in Lost. Yeah. Used it in Star Trek. 
They've used it in, uh, apparently there are theories that they're using it in that new show, Castle Rock. Oh, the Stephen King one. Yeah. Is that produced by J.J. Abrams? Yeah, he's he's working on it with Stephen King. Um, Fringe was another one. That was all about yeah. time travel and shit, wasn't time it? Time travel there. Uh, and then, now you've got a former doctor from Doctor Who, like in the movie. Yeah. All signs are pointing to time travel. Let's just let's just take it back and just just totally circumvent everything that happened in episode eight. That yeah. would be just wonderful. Yeah. Fine. I mean, like I said, like I'm not I won't be mad if they use time travel. I maybe if he could redeem it another way, great. But if not, like I ain't gonna be mad if they're if they like find some sort of do you know in Rebels what like the device or no, is I'm not there sure. a, how they time travel? I don't know yet. Okay. I don't know. Are you planning to watch Rebels when you finish Clone Wars? Well, when we get there in sequence. So I guess that'll come after Rebels takes place what? Uh it's before a new hope, right? It might be I feel like it's yeah, it might be after episode three. Oh yeah, so it's after episode three, before Rogue One or before A New Hope. It might. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to check on that. I've got the timeline. Like, so, I mean, saved, I have so... it. I have it pulled up as well. Yeah. on my phone consistently. But I'll get there eventually. Yeah, we'll see. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> well you probably have to get home and let your dog out huh probably i should probably get home and let my pup out speaking of you know i meant to say this like back when we were talking about rose tico mm-hmm. speaking of hated characters that have been memed into love uh my dog's name is binks mm. after jar jar binks yeah you know, just now, and and in full honesty, I didn't give him that name. However, you, you I didn't it. change it. Yeah, kept I kept it. it when I got him, it, because I was just like Jar Jar Binks, cool. I love Star Wars. Like I didn't think, oh fuck that character. <laughs> this dog is shit. Like that was in his that was in his adoption profile. It was like, oh, his foster family named him Binks after Jar Jar Binks. Dope. I yeah. love Star Wars. You know. So, just, I don't know. It's good. It's good. I do. So, I need to get home and let him out of the cage, though. All right. Yusa have to get home. (laughs) Misa have to home. (laughs) Misa have to get a bongo (laughs) and go home to let Misa dog out of his cages. He needs his uh, doggy poodoo. Yeah, he needs his doggy poodoo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> perfect mm. doggy poo do alright well stick around for the outro we'll be right back alright so uh, there you go there you have it a bit of a mixed bag this week um, yeah man so uh, what else you got any cappers to add here 
No, I was just going to social media plug. Don't we yeah, do go that ahead. the outro? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so, um, you know, uh, make sure to head over to our website and uh, check it out. It's www.superdivorceme.com. Uh, while you're there, you can, there's a tab for the podcast. Uh, there's a tab. Is there a YouTube tab? Not yet. I should put one on there. You should though, put one on there with all we're doing. Uh, yeah. but more importantly, there's a tab for our store because we are a synth pop duo and we do have music and we do have products to sell you. So you can check out our store where you can pick up our album action figures on CD, cassette, or vinyl <laughs> record. Uh, we also have buttons and stickers and t-shirts and we're probably going to get some new t-shirts here soon. Because I'm going to pay for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, make sure you check that out. Um, and then we both are on. So, well, uh, before before we move on to our personal pages, uh, Nicholas over here goes live on the Super Divorce YouTube every single day. Yeah. Haven't missed a day in almost three months now. Haven't missed a day in three months. So that's what you can look forward to. If you just head over to youtube.com slash super divorce, uh, make sure to subscribe to our channel and bong the gong for notifications. That way, whenever Nick goes live, you can be like, oh, cool. Super divorce is live. Playing and, through Shenmue right now. Yeah. You can hop on and watch him play through Shenmue and chat with him. And sometimes I, I try to hop on when I can. If he go, if he starts streaming too late at night, though, I'm already in bed. Yeah. So, but I try to hop on. Uh, so speaking of which, personal pages. If you want to follow Nick anywhere, uh, just just look up at Nicholas Villars because he uses the same username for like everything. I make my ass very very available. Yeah, very, and yeah, he's yeah, mostly on Twitter though, right? Mostly on Twitter, and actually on Twitter, I've just been using our our Twitter page, Super Divorces page. Yeah, yeah just. So, so Nick divorce. is like radio silent on social media, but you know, have at it anyways. Uh, and then if you want to follow me, uh, I'm most prevalent probably on Instagram. So follow me at BenderButt, and then uh, certainly make sure to check out the Momster Movies Facebook and Instagram. That's M O M S T E R momster movies it's a weekly show that i do with my mom where i make her watch a horror movie and then we talk about it last week we watched well this week we watched uh cannibal holocaust she hated it so (laughs) i would imagine but i did too so it's fine (laughs) yeah it's not very good it's terrible movie yeah uh so check that out we are we do have a youtube channel but i'm not going to plug it quite yet because i want to get it more set up but we are on youtube as well if you want to check out momster movies on youtube it's going to be funny five years from now, someone going back and listening to this and be like, Momster movies just starting out. They don't even really want to plug it yet. And it's huge, man. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. My mom deserves to be famous. So, yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in this week. And, uh, oh boy, until next time. Um, bye. I don't know. Please look forward. To the next Super Divorce Super cast. Goodbye, chefs. Bye, chefs. Super Divorce.